We got a lot of good stuff to talk about in the show today. We've invited Sandra Rodriguez from NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, to join us. She's just got a wealth of information. She's the education director. We're going to find out what that means for NAMI in San Fernando Valley here in Southern California. Uh, but NAMI is a national organization. She is also a mental health advocate with lived experience. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And she's also a certified mental health first aid for youth and adults, as well as QPR suicide prevention. Uh, Sandra, I see you there, and it looks like we have a request. Hello. Hi, Sandra. Great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. Oh, no, it's awesome. It's uh we are new friends. We've had a chance to, to chat on the phone and do some email stuff. But before we jump into our conversation, though, I mean, we we like to know a little bit about our guests, you know, and, and we ask these somewhat random questions. So uh, here we go. You know, this is a different one. What color has had the most dramatic effect on you and what happened? Ooh, ooh, I would have to say yellow. I've never been a bright color person, but once I kind of started using yellow or incorporating yellow here and there, it just, it hits different. It has a different effect on you. It makes you really happy, I'd say. <laughs> nice. Well, that I'll have to remember that. Yellow's not one of my favorite colors, but it isn't one of my unfavorite either. So I'll have to look a little bit more towards yellow and see if I become happier yeah. Um, you know, maybe a little more bounce as I'm running down the hallway or the steps or whatever it is. Uh, Katie Ann, one of our other Utah hosts who can't be with us on the show today, and I were involved in a NAMI walk in downtown L.A., B.C., before COVID. Wow. And we we had a blast. In fact, uh, Andrea Barber from Fuller House was our team leader. And, and she's, she's, I mean, she's like a hoot. She's so funny and, and great <laughs> conversation, but great organization, you know? And so we've been associated kind of at a distance with you guys for a while, but tell us about NAMI. Yes. So NAMI, I didn't know a whole lot about NAMI until I started working for them, but really not. Yeah. Believe it or not. I, you know, I kind of knew what NAMI was. I actually, uh -huh assumption that NAMI was a mental health services, so where you can okay. maybe go with a therapist, schedule some time with a therapist. In fact, it's actually so much more, I, would, I wouldn't say important, because it's still important to see a therapist, but I feel like it's such a nice area or organization that adds additional tools to your toolbox on your journey to recovery. Or on your oh, level. nice. Yeah, so little bit about what we offer here. We offer um, education services okay. in the form of support groups, in the form of presentations, in the form of classes. Wow. The amazing walks that we have yearly to promote advocacy. And all of this is with the intention of m ensuring that you do not feel alone in your journey. Mm. And in your loved one's journey to recovery. So we have peer-led uh, support groups and classes. These are with folks who have lived experience. Hmm. 
also have classes and support groups who are led by family members with loved ones. Oh, interesting. So if you're on the spectrum of being someone who lives with mental illness or someone who has a loved one who lives with mental illness, we are the right place for you. Um, and of course, like you mentioned, we're national. So we have chapters everywhere across the United States. And since we are also virtual right now, some of our chapters are still virtual. Mm -hmm. Any of us. So if you'd like to join a support group that's maybe in Washington, D.C., um, and it's available during the time that's suitable for you, you can join them. And then same here with San Fernando Valley, even if you're off on the East Coast. So it just kind of depends on what works with your schedule. That's great. I mean, now, the support groups, are they... um like I'll say age appropriate, like are there some for students and some for adults or are they kind of mixed? It's kind of a mixed, so it's kind of a mix. So we have some that are all, you know, just for anybody, but however, so for our affiliate, we have a new support group that's actually for youth. So it's for ages 18, it's the 18 to 29 age bracket. Okay. Yeah, it's available to anyone. It just kind of depends on what your chapter does and creates and is open to making. So that's something that I felt our chapter desperately needed. And so I went ahead and created that for everyone. Nice. Well, you know, and what I appreciate it as I'm listening to you and the little that I know, it's safe. It's a safe place to, to go to be vulnerable um, I know you, you probably know this way better than I, but uh, I haven't looked into all the details, but the Surgeon General has issued a statement that we have a, a youth mental health crisis in this country. Now, go back for a minute. How did you just happen to go to work for NAMI if you didn't know that much about it? It's kind of interesting. Yeah. So before I touch on that, I do have to say, yeah, it has become a mental health crisis for, for um, you know, for youth specifically. And I'd have to say that COVID, COVID has mm. had an impact, you know, yeah. um, with, with folks, um, you know, being at home and then just going straight to school and just kind of expecting all of us to kind of shrug it off and act like it never happened. Yeah. And tough. Yeah. But as far as what led me to NAMI, so definitely my own journey with mental illness and my mm-hmm. youth really created or at the very least ignited this passion for uh, myself to advocate, to share my story and to just promote advocacy using, using my own Instagram page and just speaking out whenever possible. So with that, I actually, when I attended university, Cal State University Northridge, I joined this peer advocacy group called the mm-hmm. Blue. And so basically in a nutshell, what we did, we would host workshops, wellness workshops on campus. And we would also give uh, deliver presentations to other students regarding depression awareness, suicide prevention. And it was just such an awesome time. So rewarding. Yeah. With that, I ended up actually connecting with someone who worked for NAMI, who was the youth programs director for NAMI. From there, she kind of onboarded me she, to be an instructor for her for mental health first aid, suicide prevention. And then from there, an, an opening came about with an education coordinator position, and the rest is history. <laughs> hey, go back for just a second, because you, you kind of crackled and broke up. You, cut, you guys called it at Cal State Blue what? The Blues Project. The yep. Blues Project. That's cool. That's fair. And you know, that's an interesting journey. 
for you to get involved. Again, it's it's always connecting. You know, isn't that what it is? I mean, we connect with people, we get involved. I mean, I think that's amazing. Now, you are a mental health advocate with lived experience. Um, share, if you don't mind, share a little bit about your story because personal stories, I think, are huge. It is the power of a personal narrative. Mm oftentimes is healing in the way that it allows others to not feel ashamed about their own story and to feel mm-hmm. comfortable enough to acknowledge their journey and, and see the beauty in it as well. So I learned that because in the beginning I did have a lot of shame or I carried a lot of shame when it came to my story. Mm-hmm. And eventually when I actually attended a We Rise LA event featuring Kevin Hines, if those of you that do not know Kevin Hines, he is a suicide attempt survivor. He jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. And Whoa. Uh, oh, I bet he's got a powerful story. I mean, I can't, I'm from Northern California and of course going back and forth across Golden Gate and, and I've heard that there have been people that survived and his name did sound a little familiar. He has to have a powerful story. Absolutely. And I'll be sure to add his name in the chat box because I'm sure he'd love to maybe join you all one day. Yeah, he, that'd be great. Guy, When I watched his story, it really, really sparked something in me to, to have that courage to share my story. So mm-hmm. a little bit about myself. I actually struggled with depression and anxiety as early as age 11. And there, it just kind of really just snowballed into lots of issues. My upbringing wasn't the best. There was a lot of abuse in the home, alcoholism. And I dealt with it the best that I could. And most of that was taking that inward. So I struggled a lot with depression, anxiety, PTSD, Mm. self-harm. So just anything, you name it. I Mm. really did struggle for a while. In fact, I am a suicide attempt survivor from my teens when I was 15. Oh, Sandra. Yes, yes. And um, afterwards, I, I mean, thankfully, thankfully, right, I was able to overcome those challenges. Yes. Therapy and support and really be on a journey to recovery. And now look at everything that I'm doing. Um, I also have two little ones. And so <laughs> such an amazing journey afterwards. And so I've really used that pain uh, into power. I've channeled that pain into power to be mm. able to go ahead and, of course, help heal myself and inspire others and support others in their journey as well. Wow, that's awesome. It's, you know, like you said, that that personal, the power of the personal story. Stories are powerful to begin with. Everybody likes stories. And it, it's one thing for me to uh, talk about, you know, the problem of suicide and depression, but I haven't been there. I've been, I've known a lot of people who have, I've known several um, who did not survive, uh, heartbreaking, you know, just, and you said you were 15 when that happened. I was, I was, I was extremely young. Uh, Yeah. And so to be able to overcome that, I'm so happy. I, now I would look back at that young girl that I once was and, it's just so different. I'm, I can't even recognize her, but I'm happy that because I sought out help and support, I'm able to go ahead and look back. And all it took was really just reaching out for help. How did you manage to do that? I mean, that, that, it's almost a ridiculous question, but you said you were dealing with shame and, and, you know, the stuff going on in your home and, you know, the depression. And 
I mean, that's hard, is it not, to, to reach out and say, okay, I am, I've come to this point in my life, I need help. H- how did you do that? Yeah, so first, I mean, I would say that at being a Latina, there is so much stigma when it comes to mental health. And, mm. and so there were definitely a lot of challenges in reaching out for support from my parents, my family. They didn't really understand or know what to do. Mm-hmm. They, though as time went on and unfortunately it did have to take my symptoms to become more and more severe to even be able to be allotted those opportunities to seek that help oh yeah but I think ultimately what led to me seeking that support was just me realizing that just the level of self-destruction that was going on Mm. and understanding that okay if I do continue on this path what's going to happen right and and to kind of give myself that option to say, okay, let's seek, let's accept that help. First, let's be accepted and willing of that help and see where that takes us and see where that leads us. But I would say it started in school, uh, reaching out to the counselors, school counselors, okay. and just kind of going from there, taking any resources that were offered. So you trusted, obviously, the school counselors. And you know what is so encouraging to me is you've got – not that you got to that place in your life, but you got to that place in your life and you finally said, no, this is, uh, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to seek out this help. You've got some people you can trust. And did they point you to others who could help you in the journey? Yes, yes, that's correct. So my counselor, of course, he provided that really safe space to just even, um, not even so much talk about whatever was going on, but, Mm -hmm. um, just having this door open policy. Uh, it's how easy just having an open door policy can make all the difference for kids to just be able to trust you and feel safe to be like, okay, I can just come and hang out here and nobody's going to give me, ask me a million questions. You know, I can be yeah. here when I'm ready. I was such, such a helpful thing during that time, especially because it was so hard to talk about things. I internalized a lot of things. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, and then from there, when I finally did feel comfortable to share, then it's like, okay, well, we've got these resources, we've got these these resources, and then connecting my parents with insurance or kind of figuring out the logistics of that and going, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, that's such an encouraging word because there is help. There's resources. And it's okay not to be okay. And, and you've got to know that within you, but also something that, that um, kind of bugs me about the way our culture has become. We don't listen. We, we just don't listen. You know, there's a lot of talking at, and I hear people say, I'm going to talk to, what about talking with? Yes. You know, just changing that preposition, if you will have it, talking with and listening. We are so busy and bombarded with so many different things, and we need to listen. And I think especially for younger people, it's hard. I mean, they're ignored a lot of times, and especially with what's happened with COVID, they're still trying to feel their way. I think adults are too, but especially, you know, teens and young adults trying to feel their way through this, what is this new normal going to be? Is there a new normal? And, you know, will somebody listen to me? And I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why we started you talking, um, you know, because we thought, hey, it's all about you talking to us. We want to listen to you. We want to, you know, help you. We want to, we had a situation in the community where I live here in Southern California, where we had uh, 
four suicides, teen suicides within the first 10 days of school and a beloved band teacher as well. Uh, and I, it, it just broke my heart. And, and people are coming up to me, you know, in different situations going, hey, Steve, what are you going to do? What, what do you want me to do? Well, you're the youth guy. And I thought, you know, what? Well, students don't need a presentation. They need an opportunity. And it was funny because I contacted the school, you know, district. And I said, because it was all in the same district. Oh, yeah, we know who you are, a superintendent's assistant, you know, and you're the guy who goes to the schools. Your guy does radio, TV, blah, 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 blah. I said, yeah. And I said, what can I do to help? Ah, don't worry about it. We got it covered. It's okay. And I'm going, oh, what are you doing? Oh, we have this psychologist coming in, you know, on such and such a date to, you know, the auditorium here. And so I went. I was packed with students and parents. And this, I'm sure she's a fine psychologist, but she's throwing graphs up for 25 minutes, totally oblivious that she had an audience and then closes it and goes, hey, guys, great to be with you, by the way, free Starbucks in the back. And I'm just going, no, that ain't going to work. So we put together, Utah did a, um, two nights. We thought there has to be a night for students and there has to be a night for parents. And they were about a week apart. And, you know, there was no real program other than me, one of our other hosts, and a friend of ours who's a psychologist, um, who we have on the show periodically. And we had a conversation. And once students realized that we, we were going to listen to them, we cared about them, we wanted to help them. I mean, they were climbing all over each other for, for two and a half hours talking and sharing. And, and you know, we were kind of taking a, the approach of asking questions and answering with questions because we wanted them to come to some conclusions, but we wanted them to know we loved them and cared about them. And, and the parents was a similar thing. Um, only one dad showed up. I mean, that's kind of indicative of part of the problem. Yes. Um, but these moms and grandmas are weeping. And um, sometimes I think that's so, actually, I think it's so important all the time is you got to find somebody that will listen to you. And some of you, like you said, you trusted this counselor you feel comfortable with. I'm so excited that we're able to talk to you and you survived, you saw your way through this. Why is it... I guess it's a it's an open question, but there's this stigma if you say that, you know, I'm struggling with mental health, I'm struggling with anxiety, depression. Why the stigma? Why like with some families it's it's not okay and we try to hide it or you know, with peers are like, oh, you know, yeah, great. What are you, some kind of a crazy, you know? And it, it, have you guys figured I mean, you even personally, have you is there something that causes us to I guess maybe is it because it's it's not okay to not be okay? I mean, is that, I don't know. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, so I have my theories. Um, I definitely think that it, it kind of, it's not a one size fits all, right? Mm -hmm. But I would have to say that there's just this idea that mental illness is not a real illness. It's, uh, it's this disconnect mm -hmm. with the idea that being, you know, that, that, that your brain can sometimes be unwell and, and that it's valid, mm. and that it's real, that it's a real thing. I think, yes, yes. I think people really have this idea that because it's not visible, you know, you can't see it, right? You can see some symptoms here and there. Sure. See the mental illness the same way that you would see a cold or a flu or a leg injury, right? That it's just not really there. And Sandra, that's huge. Yes. You know, and, I mean, because it's interesting. We talk about physical health, you know, and, and we talk about spiritual health and, you know, but it's like that mental health. It's almost like the you, know, you can't touch that one, you know, and 
I like that because you can't see it and people don't think it's a real illness, but it is, you know, and your brain, like you said, it's a brain issue it's, and you can't see that. And there's such a stigma in our culture. It's, it's terrible. It really is. And I think it drives people the wrong direction. Yeah. And I'm going to add one more thing to just like, okay. when it comes to mental illness, we don't realize how sometimes it's at the center of everything. Um, oh, yes. So when we are experiencing issues with stress, with anxiety, with depression, like everything that just occurred this week, our stress hormones are going up. Our, yeah. you know, our fight and flight mode is kicking in. We feel unsafe. When we feel unsafe, then that affects our sleep. It affects our mm. eating. It affects everything. And then what does that then entail? It affects our physical health. And then we see more illnesses. Okay. We, you know, we just see predispositions to other to other illnesses. We're more, we're more. Um, susceptible to you know just be getting injured or just carelessly mm -hmm. getting it sure so our, our really our brain is at the center of everything our mind is at the center of everything and i think it's so 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 overlooked yes yes i would agree no i mean because it really it, it's a battle for the brain and it's about you know if you want to change you have to change the decisions you're making which are coming from your brain oh i like that that's huge i mean that really is it's, it's and if we could just communicate that to people and, and again i mean our primary group that we want to speak to is teens and adults we know there's other people there but if we could help them understand that you know and sometimes we don't want to accept the truth and and we're we can become our own worst enemy i want to look good to everybody and again, I'm so grateful for people like yourself that are willing to talk about this and, and others, you know, publicly. And it's, it's not, it's just saying, hey, this is reality. This is, and you can get through this. What can we all do in general to keep ourselves healthy, to work like, you know, we work out physically. I recently started, you know, jogging again, but I'm starting slowly, you know, into the walking. COVID made a bigger man out of me the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> but are, are there some, some things that we can practice that can help us be healthier mentally, if that makes sense? Yes, absolutely. I would even start as something as easy as sleep hygiene. Um, oh, hygiene so maybe 10 to 15 minutes before going to bed 30 if you can no screen time no tv no phone no nothing just allowing kind of your eyes to acclimate and to just settle kind of creating that winding down routine Ooh, nice getting some white noise in or some soundscape going on just to kind of help you relax help you mm. relax so that you can get a better night's sleep oh yeah guess what you're gonna wake up in the morning feeling more refreshed more ready to take on the day ready to just do more so something as simple as that, really. Oh, and that is, it's so simple, you yeah. know? It's not rocket science. It really isn't, no. Just really simple things is just looking at your routine and looking at, you know what, am I doing too much? Do I need to incorporate need more breaks? Do I need to schedule a bedtime? Do I need to schedule a wake-up time? Because maybe mm. 
staying up super late and now you know i don't have enough hours in the day just looking inward and kind of doing that self-inventory and saying what can i improve on and how can i do this in a very small way how can i slowly implement changes instead of this all or nothing like i am going to go ahead and have a superset schedule starting tomorrow and then you don't do it and then you feel like crap because of it no just change one little change and kind of work your way up there and that yeah no helps what is the i've heard it said before that the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step you know, and I think for a lot of us, maybe the first step is being able to turn this thing off or put it down or, yes. you know, it's I drive some of my colleagues nuts because I I don't always have my phone with me. I do a lot of the time, but, you know, I'll, I'll put it on do not disturb because it, it's it's a distraction. I mean, it's a great tool. Yes, it's, it's a super tool. I mean, we're doing this, you know, and people are are with us, you know, on their phone. So I'm not. But. I, I like that. It's simple things. And, and the schedule thing, um, that's something I need to work on. I overschedule myself. You know, I've got too much, too many things that I'm trying to keep up in the air. So you can relate. So, you know, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Really just finding those little moments to unplug, mm. to, you know, unwind, to rest, mm. to break, to take care of yourself. Refill that cup so that that way you can give to others. You cannot pour from an empty cup. Self-care. Self-care. Yeah, and we, we've started to hear more about it, but I don't think when I've seen it talked about, I don't often hear the connection to mental health. Yes. And there's such a huge connection to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, there really is. Yeah, sometimes because sometimes we do hear about self-care and it's like take a bubble bath or, you know, go for a walk. And those are really good things to do, too. But self-care is also sometimes make sure you're you're not burning yourself out, you know. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah. Or make sure to see your therapist. Make sure to take your medication if you do take it. That's also a form of self-care. Get enough sleep. You know, um, self-care is that, that too. Like, I made sure to take a nap today, and I feel much better because of it. And, <laughs> and I'll be resistant to it. I was like, you know what, because I had a really long day. I've been up since, like, 5 in the morning. And, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, I'll just pull it through. I'll just push through the rest of the evening. And you know what? No. I said, I'm going to take a nap. And now, look. I feel so much more energized because of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ashamed to tell you, I kept telling myself, I need to take a little bit of a snooze this afternoon. But no, I can push through. I got to get this. I got to get this done, you know. So I'm glad I'm still awake and I've got some energy. But no, a great example. And again, it's simple things. And I think that's what we forget. Some of the simple things can be the most foundational, powerful things in our lives, you know. Now, let's think about someone who is watching us or listening to us. And they're struggling that maybe they're like you were at 15, 16. Um, what, what are the first, I know there's more involved and it's a process and it's a journey, but what are the first couple things you would say to somebody who's going, well, I can relate. Um, I haven't tried suicide, but I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm stressed out. Uh, school is over, I don't know what's going to happen during summer, blah, 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 blah. What are maybe some of those first steps in getting help? Yeah. So I would say they're already on the first step, that step of recognizing. Ah, okay. That step of recognizing. Okay. Recognizing something feels off and I don't like it and I don't like how this feels. Mm. And I'm, right? 
using that to look up resources whether that be local or nationally online there's so many great online resources um, and just kind of going from there and then of course the other one that i would implement is talking to somebody that you trust talking to hopefully mm. that you trust whether mm -hmm. a teacher a counselor a coach anyone okay um, yeah reaching out to someone and telling them i'm not feeling well can you help me can you help me find some resources can you you know can you just help me out finding some numbers and just having that support system building your support. Mm. i think that'd be a good place to start no that's that's great i mean because that it's it's sometimes it's hard to find that first step you know i i don't like i need a reset in my life i need a fresh start i need help and acknowledging as you said first step is i need help there's something wrong and I got to get help for it. And it's okay to get help. Um, and this isn't something that, that um, you necessarily have to share with everybody, because as I know you've learned and I've learned, everybody can't handle everything. And sometimes it's because they're going through it and they don't know how to respond to it. But Oh, that is, that's now you mentioned resources and all um, let's go back to NAMI for a moment. Um, I'm assuming I, I have to say I haven't gone to the site uh, before I should have before the show. Um, but are there resources on uh, the, the NAMI site? Yes, yes. So we have a helpline number that you can always leave voice messages to. Oh, okay. In addition to that, we do, of course, we have our classes, we have our support groups. You can always mm -hmm. contact myself. You can contact any, any, you know, any email. Somebody will get back to you. Um, in addition to that, if we do not have the appropriate resources for you, we will always point you in the right direction. The crisis text line is always a great number to tap, uh, to to utilize. You can text any word to seven four one seven four one, and really, you know, it's, it'll connect you with the crisis counselor. They'll connect you to more resources. So, yeah, even something just as simple as hopping onto our website and sending an email, somebody will get back to you. Absolutely. Okay. What is the? Give us the text number again, and then give us the the web address, please. Yes, yes. So for our specifically, it's NAMI SFV, so as in San Fernando Valley, Valley. .org. That's our personal site. Of course, we also have NAMI GLAC, um, which is NAMI and then GLAC. That's Greater Los Angeles County. Okay. Is there too. And then as far as the crisis text line goes, you can text any word. You can text home, talk, chat, NAMI. Nice. Anybody to 741-741. Um, and that'll immediately connect you with the crisis professional. Oh, that's so easy. Just any word, 741-741. Now, for those who are not in the, the Southern California area, is there a national NAMI website? Um, there should be a national NAMI website. I'll go ahead and include it in the comment section at the end of this. But okay, yeah. great. But we have a national site. We have a California site. Um, any any type of chapter or website that you can think of, we have it. And really, that somebody that's watching or listening to us could go to uh, the Southern California site, and somebody there could direct them, saying, "Hey, I'm from New York. I'm in Boston. I'm in Miami. Whatever." But I think that I, I want to emphasize this, guys, that 
there's resources, there's help. Don't sit there alone. Don't sit there going, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm hurting. Now, what about someone who is, they're, they're with us on the show today, and they're they're doing pretty much okay. They probably could do a little more uh, self-care work on, you know, getting healthier mentally and stuff. But they sense that a friend of theirs is struggling with some mental issues. We'll just put it that way, whether it be depression or whatever. How do we approach that? Yeah, thank you for asking that. So as far as approach, I'll I'll use what we use for mental health first aid. We really want to go ahead and first of all, we want to make sure that it's at a time that's appropriate. So maybe a space that's available, maybe, hey, you know, how would you like to go for some coffee or, or, you know, let's chat a little bit or something like that. And starting with your noticing skills, starting with those I statements of, hey, I've noticed these changes in you. I've noticed that you're not really focused. I noticed that you're not sleeping well. I'm I'm noticing that you're not doing your homework. Um, You know, tell me more. What's going on? How can I help? You know? Ah, okay. Yeah. And that door open. So asking those open-ended questions so that that way they can kind of let you in as comfortable as they do and say, Mm event, then maybe you do approach them and you say, hey, you know, I'm concerned about you. What's going on? Tell me more. And they're like, no, I'm good. You know, you can say, you know, okay, I I respect that. Let me go. You know, if you do need any help, know that I am here. I am here whenever you leaving. uh, Yeah. To me, that's, that's huge is leaving the door open. Yes. Um, and letting them know that I, yeah, yeah, I'm here for you. I'm, uh, you know, and that's something that I know I've had to do several times with friends. You know, is is say that repeatedly. I am here for you, and not bugging them, not trying to dig in too much, but giving them you you said something about the freedom to be able to share what they want to share at this point. But I think just simply knowing that somebody is there to care about them and care for them. Oh, awesome advice. Well, we could keep talking and we're going to have to do this again because this is something that uh, doesn't go away. And, um, you know, as we've talked and I've talked with others at NAMI about just collaborating when, when and where and how we can, especially when it comes to, to teens and young adults. I got to thank you again. Long day. You've had, uh, I know uh, you were in meetings, I think it was yesterday or day before, you know, <laughs> one after another. And I can, I can. <laughs> I, I resemble those kinds of things, but thank you so much for taking the time. Now, if somebody wants to know more about NAMI, give us um, just that one of the websites where they can start. Yeah, so I would say NAMI GLAC would be the website to go to. So okay. that is N A M I. And then G L A C dot O R G. Lots of resources on NAMI, on our website, social media, Facebook, anything, we have it. So please do not hesitate to reach out. We are here for you when you're ready. Oh, we're so grateful to have you, you know, as a colleague and and trying to help people, you know, because that's what it's all about, getting people healthy, getting them focused on their purpose and all of those things. Now, if somebody wants to, to follow you and kind of stay in touch with you, is there a way for them to do that? Yes, absolutely. So I do have my Instagram at 
it's Sandra D and I'll include that in the chat box as well and that's really just me documenting my life my journey um, as a peer as someone who's had lived experience and you know my journey in advocating for mental health so I'll shoot that in the chat box as well great we'll make sure that we get that information out and again thank you Sandra I I'm personally really grateful because I feel like we've laid out a good foundation here for those that are struggling or those who have a friend or family member who's struggling. So thanks for taking time out of a very busy schedule. We appreciate it. And we appreciate your, just your commitment to, to helping people get healthy mentally. Uh, it's such a needed thing. So we'll look forward to, to talking to you again and uh, seeing other ways in which we can partner and, and collaborate. So thank you. Guys, I want to thank you for joining us. And remember, we love to hear from you. We are here to point you to people like Sandra who have that expertise and that commitment and that desire to help. And uh, you know that's what you talk is all about, you talking to us. Thanks for joining us, and um, we will see you next time. Okay, thank you so much, Steve. Talk to you Thanks, soon. Thanks, Andrew. This is You Talk Radio.